last week on Discount Heroes. The ship itself is narrow and sleek. It's a galleon style ship. All right, some issues here. I am not sure how to start it. She gestures towards the broken wing on one side. I can't imagine that this thing was flown from the ground. So why don't we go take a look at that engine? This thing, whatever it is, looks like a perfect sphere of metal. So you feel that it's likely that this is exactly what moves the ship. Hey guys, I think we may have this engine situation figured out. Yeah, we're just gonna hit it real hard. The ship is completely nosed down into the dirt. That magic spreads throughout the whole ship and suddenly the deck starts getting a little bit smaller and smaller as the ship starts to shrink. Uh, yeah, there is a steering wheel. A pair of metal poles sticking out. I tie myself to the steering wheel. So we'll get the winch started. Once the ship starts sliding, I think Demi can call out to thrash when to hit the engine. Copes braces his hand on the wheel. To the skies, bros. All right, Thrasher. And three, two, one. Big swing. The ship turns a near 90 degrees before launching upward into the air. Demi, time to hit it again the ship begins tumbling in the air slammed hard into a surface nearby I tilt it forward just so slightly it starts to take on a downward motion and then it starts sliding forward this is like Flappy Bird That's one mad monkey. Tonight on Discount Heroes. All right, so welcome to Discount Heroes. We're a chaotic character and story-driven real-play podcast. We're a group of five friends who've known each other for 15-plus years, and we really want to share with you the game that we love so much, D&D. So my name is Brent. I'm the DM here. Why don't you other players introduce yourself and who you're playing? It's Tyler here. I'm playing Captain Copes, the uh, most experienced pilot in the Midwest West. I'm Aaron, and I'll be playing Demarok, the Tiefling Bard, and we're just here for a good time. This is Jared. I play the part of Thrasher, the Human Barbarian. And this is Matt, and I play Nox Longfoot, the Gnome Wizard, who went from headbanging with Thrasher's axe to banging his head into the railing. So, I think we've all talked about how there are some people that we want to thank or address specifically that have said some nice things about us online. You guys remember who those people are? Mark D. Smith, the legend from Mississippi. The man, the myth, the legend. That's his, I think that's his Twitter handle. His, there's two names. One is Matt Faulkner, and then one is... I call him homie number one and homie number two. I'm going to give a shout out to my mom. Yeah. This is for you, mom. I would like to thank my buddies Chris... Uh, you know which Chris I'm talking about, and also my buddy Lucky. You know which Lucky I'm talking about. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate all your support. I just want to thank Jared's wife and three kids, because they've been very supportive of me. 
being able to take the time to do this. Uh, and a huge shout out to to everybody who's left a review. We've gotten some really awesome reviews, some really kind words. Uh, that really means the world to us and, and goes a long way. So we would love to hear from you. Twitter, Facebook, reviews, anything. Send us a letter, shout it outside. It doesn't matter. If you got something, we'd love to hear it. Unless it's bad. And then don't, please don't. Please, we're just hanging on by a thread. <laughs> I'd like to go ahead and take a moment to thank all our friends and family who could not really have been more supportive or could not have said you know nicer things and made sure to listen throughout each and every week and make sure to share our podcast. Yeah, uh, specifically, my mom's our biggest fan. Mike's the man listening every episode. And I'm going to actually give a special shout out to uh, our buddy Alex because nothing feels better than to get a phone call because he wants to talk about what happened in the episode he just listened to. So just super appreciate that. I even got my father-in-law who's never listened or played D&D to listen, and uh, he's actually still here. I didn't think he'd make it past half an episode, so. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Shout out to Papa. <laughs> I do want you to tell them what he said to you about the first time he listened. Uh, he said he loved it, except for Tyler cussing too much. <laughs> and he said Jared had a bad attitude, uh, something bad about Brent, Aaron, I, I don't remember, but he really gloated a lot about me. I mean, he just was amazed. <laughs> uh-huh. You did really shine in that first episode. Very Nox heavy. And not ever since. Kind of a downhill trajectory, but straight into the ground. I'd like to thank my coworker, Chaz. We'll drop a link on Twitter and Facebook, but she made some really awesome mugs for us. I'll hold it up for the camera right now so everybody could see that. They're really awesome. Great color. Wow. Oh my Good God. Job. Thank you, that's, Chaz. That's great for the podcast. Yes. We'll have that posted on our Twitter. Go check them out. And make sure to go check out her store. Really yeah. high quality stuff. Yeah, as a way to celebrate, we had those made. She was kind enough to make one for us, really just for the cost of getting one for herself. And she talks to me about it every week, and I really appreciate it. So thanks, Jazz. I really should thank Mallory, my girlfriend. She made our awesome logo. She also has been a, a listener of the podcast as well and has enjoyed it a lot. And actually, she's got her own podcast called rabbit hole happy hour and I, i'd personally appreciate it if you gave her a listen they talk about true crime stuff while drinking cocktails truly and genuinely hilarious podcast that i listen to every week uh yeah definitely give that a shot just out of curiosity who's her favorite character just for a, po- a poll when i have polled her <laughs> on a scale of one to thrash her who's the best in her opinion she really likes copes my coworker is a huge fan of Knox. yes with Demarok as a close second. Yeah, my mom said I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, just for everybody else that's been listening, we really do appreciate you too, but you do need to step up your game so we can mention you by name. Our biggest fans, Matt Mercer, Griffin McElroy, Justin McElroy. Shut, stop it. Um, they, stop it. <laughs> they listen every week. They DM me. Lin-Manuel Miranda, he's already in the works. <laughs> of, uh, of Working on the soundtrack for the next season. Yeah. Uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan, Emily Axford, <laughs> Brian Murphy. I mean, incredible people. Yeah, me and Clint are playing golf next Sunday. Jeff Stamos, Nicolas Cage, uh, all, all these guys. <laughs> I couldn't believe Nicolas Cage actually joined us for the that, you know, cameo in the last couple episodes great cameo is a cage yeah uh carrot top who inspires all of our comedy (laughs) (laughs) didn't think the carrot top joke would work so great on jared i I thought it would get no laugh but (laughs) that's the first time anything carrot top's been a part of was funny 
Oh. I, like, I think that is funny. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and begin the game. Last week, our intrepid adventurers endeavored to aid Braddock in repairing the airship. They discovered that vibrations, of all things, powered the mysterious engine. They pulled it free by shrinking it in size with a somewhat reciprocal effect on Knox himself and greased the wheels, so to speak, to get this thing into the air. After causing a lot of damage to the crew and people they rescued, Copes managed to stabilize the ship gracefully and keep moving. The discount heroes now find themselves cruising softly towards the city. But for how long? Hey, Copes, you're kind of getting the hang of this thing, man. Yeah, bro, I've been doing this for, for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> for countless minutes. Exactly. Tens and twenties of seconds. <laughs> I felt like this is my calling, bro. I'm in the sky. This is where I belong. This is my proverbial shit. Just don't aim for the stars this time, you know? like. All right, so let me give you a little description of what you see. Remember like I described before, although you can tell you're obviously moving forward, you don't feel any sensation of movement as the ship rises and falls heading towards the city. You don't even feel the air moving past you. It just feels like standing perfectly still. You don't feel that strange drop in your stomach as you fall, nor do you feel any kind of extra pressure, you know, pushing you towards the ground as you rise. There's definitely something strange about the way this ship flies, this mysterious airship that flies through the air. Uh, the... I think it's mysterious <laughs> that Coates feels no pressure flying the ship full of refugees. No, you've got real anxieties here, that's for sure. I don't know, do I get to roll for that? <laughs> do we even feel the left and right tilt? So, yeah, you do just feel the effects of gravity as you tilt the ship back and forth. Okay. Is that what yaw means? Is that the yaw? That is that is yaw, I believe that is the yeah. you know, tilt along an axis. It's the yaw witch and the yaw way. <laughs> Y'all need to listen to me here. all right so the landscape stretches before you in a way that you've never seen before while on the mountain there were still parts of it that were blocked by trees but now you're offered an unfettered view of the landscape surrounding you you can see the the sea off in the distance with its dangerous churning and obviously humongous creatures roiling beneath the surface you can see the city of valist just a small little thing you look at the landscape of the repeating, the repeating planes. The what? <laughs> One more, please. The repeating. Oh, damn it. You actually did trick me there. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't do the same joke twice. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> you can see scattered humongous patches of completely dead grass stretching across the plains. They must span miles off into the distance, falling in enormous scattered patterns. It looks just like the damage that occurred to the mountain, but it looks like whatever it was that happened was definitely more concentrated there. And you're seeing patches that are just spread out wildly across the plains behind you. It looks like Vallis narrowly avoided being caught in whatever this was. Hey guys, it looks like uh, whatever happened on the mountain may have been happening in other places too. What? Yeah, I don't think this is a singular event, Bryce. I think we might have stumbled onto something a little bit bigger here. Do y'all think we should bring Thrasher up here? Copes, does it seem like the engine's running well? Yeah, from my extent knowledge of how this airship runs, I think everything is fine. Hey, I can't hear you guys! I want to climb down! <laughs> <laughs> I untie myself from the mast, 
shimmy down and join the group. Thrasher, come on up. I think we're flying steady. All right, be up in a sec. All right, and just to give you a description, just to make sure that's clear of how this thing flies, it's only moving forward when you're either tilting it back or tilting it forward. Right. It's like a jet ski. A quick question just for clarification, Brent. When we hit the engine, did it raise us up? Or like when we took off, we shot off the ramp, does it just hold you in midair? Well, he dove and then pulled back. And as soon as he let Uh go, it stopped moving completely. It just hung in the air. Right. So like, could you launch from sitting on the ground if you just hit the thing and pulled straight up? Uh, From a logical perspective, you think the main issue with that would be it would tilt upward first and maybe would crush the hull into the ground. Okay. It's still built like a watercraft ship as well too, right? Like it looks like a galleon, you said? I mean, ships look a little different here, but otherwise, yes. So we could land it in water and then when we go to take off, oh, tilting it doesn't do anything. We're just... But we know the ocean's full of like terrible fucking creatures. Water's a whole nother issue here. You know that typical ships that sail the ocean are coated with metal plates because they need to be protected from the things that are in the depths. But if we could find a pond or something big, like a lake, that may be a good option. You did say there was that big lake right outside the front gate. Tyler, invent a lake in a a very convenient place. Hey, I was trying to do that. (laughs) My question, can I roll perception checks to perceive the landscape around me before I roll driving checks? It's all clouds, bro. Wait, yeah, what are you going for? Are we in the clouds? How high are you? We're in the air. I don't, that's a perception check might tell me that. That would be awesome if you, you know, wanted to go really high. That's what I'm saying, no, like, because a mountain is steep straight upward, and we went off. If I'm getting close to the ground, I would need to pull up a little. Yeah, you get to control the height. It is at the bow of the ship. That seems like an intentional thing, so that you can see over the bow of the ship as you're steering it. Okay. So I don't need to roll a perception check. No, not going to make you do that. Okay. It's the only skill I have proficiency in, so that's (laughs) super awesome that I don't need to use that this whole time so what do i see (laughs) as you soar into the air make your departure away from the mountain you see the harpies fly up they damn it they call wildly (laughs) (laughs) he loves it they call wildly at you in farewell you feel that they're sending you off the good thing is is you said the harpy so this is multiple calls and they don't all sound the same yeah, you're going to have to do at least three and then cut them in together. Yeah, should we all do a harpy call? Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, we all do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we all do one. Just one, two, three. That is going to be so sonically pleasing. Yeah. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> and they fly with you for a brief few moments before becoming unable to keep pace with the ship as you fly further towards the city. I definitely thought they were going to fly up and kill us. (laughs) Oh, an air battle. Don't encourage him. All right, guys, we seem to be going the right direction, but what are we going to do when we get there? How do we land this thing? I've already got it figured out. I'm just shaking my head back. like, I don't know. I have no idea. I never thought about landing. Oh, no, we're going to kill a bunch more people. We're going to be villains again. I think we land just outside of the city. Yeah, just crash it into the dirt easily, as soft as we can. Well, the 
whatever this engine or whatever this is, it'll hold it in place. So if, if Copes, if you can steer it down towards the ground and then level it out, it should in theory stay there. Oh, here's what I'm Wait. thinking, bro. We, we dive towards the wall. I'll do a sweet right uh, bank turn, level us out, have Thrash hit the ball, and we can drop peacefully to the ground. Uh, two questions. One, why am I hitting... No, I'm, uh, this is out of character. I, why would I hit the ball again? But also, are you going to drift this ship? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fucking... Is that what's happening right now? Tokyo Drift, this bitch, right in the city. Okay, I am uh, fantasy Tokyo Drift. Uh, <laughs> oh, right, right. Um, I thought hitting the ball stopped the ship. What made you think that? No. When the vibrations run out, the ship, in theory, might stop. Wait, I want him to explain why. The best part about this is I'm, no, I'm driving the ship and I have no idea how it works. You do not understand it because <laughs> the ship never moves unless you tilt. He just keeps telling me to hit the ball whenever he wants something to happen. Hey, hey. Maybe this time it'll do this. All right, bro. Look, as soon as you level the ship, like as soon as you get level in life, like things are going good. Right. It seems like nothing's happening. That's what's happened my whole life, right? So, like, you know, in turmoil, things are pointing down or up. That's when you feel like you're moving forward in life. So, it's just like life. The ship is life. Right, right, right. So, just feel good, and then we'll stop. I'm just going to feel good till this thing hits the ground. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. So, I just kind of give the ball a spin. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so we should be able to stop it just by leveling it out. But do we... I, I assume possibly at least that the ship will sink down after the vibration stop. I don't know for sure. I don't know if it'll just park in the air. Do we want to try to park this thing in water potentially if there is any safe water or I don't think we want to get to the wall copes. I mean, isn't there a chance you ram through it? No, I've been doing this for days. I think I could totally sickly slide right up to it. Okay. But what would that do? No, he's right. You want to park it on top of the wall? No, no, slide to the wall. I want to turn to Knox and like grab him. I want to bend down real low and grab both his shoulders. Like, look here, Knox. We're adventurers now. And adventurers show up in style. In style. In style. This is our only chance, man. We're going to power slide right into the center of town. Boom. And park this thing on the square. Well, well, no. Yeah, and then we're, and then everybody will cheer. We'll bring home everybody. Okay. Rock and roll, like, you know? I don't want to be thinking tonight, some people call us heroes. <laughs> I think it'd be nice to go to bed knowing we did the right thing. All right, Knox, where do you think I should land this bad boy? I think right outside the gate, but... That's what I said! Well, you said slide up to it. That's a little different. Yeah, like a sweet power slide. Can you stop, like, 50 feet in front at least? Well, no, I'm going to stop at least 150 feet, because i got to slide 100 feet. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah, no, I'm down for the power slide. See what I'm saying? Yeah, no, let's do it. Thrasher, come on, you have to be with me. These posers are, are ruining our entrance. Everybody knows the entrance is everything. Hey, listen, here's what I'm saying. We have a really bad reputation in the town. No, we don't go all the way down. There's pictures of me, they figured it out. They figured it out, Dan and Steven sobered up. Oh, you're a criminal. I'm a criminal. This is repention. But if I do a sweet ship power slide with all the refugees, then they'll forgive us. Look, the key to takeoff is not to land it. 
We need to leave it in the air at least 10 feet and take ropes down. Yeah, I, I think that's a good plan. Worst case scenario, it, it drops down on the ground and we'll figure it out from there. I'll jump off and I'll throw a rope up to you guys. And then y'all can tie the rope off and come and come down. All right. Okay. Air drift. Air drift. All right. We got a plan. All right. I guess. Do we need to get everybody to hold on? I think they're going to be holding on. I think after our takeoff, they're probably going to be holding on pretty tightly. Everybody get ready. We're going in for a landing and Hans, and we need you to go up top to the cope's nest. Oh, I said I was gone, but actually I'm here again. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you sneak on, Hans. You sneaky guy. We should probably let him drive, but I think I can nail it. I think you'll do great. Give me the plan again. Just run it through real quick. We're going to shoot straight towards mm -hmm. the city, and right before we get to it, <laughs> I'm going to do a sweet power slide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, slightly before, not right before. Uh, well, you know, we'll talk about that. We're going to start the power slide with 250 feet. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I'm going to power slide right to the front gate. These motherfuckers are going to see a giant airship flying directly at the city wall. No, I'm going to fly straight towards the city and just power slide this bitch in. All right, Copes, I got something for you. Oh, Lord. A perception check. Oh, I'm good at that. Oh, he loves these. Before we get into that, is this a long, short, restable flight? This is a short rest, yeah. Okay. I haven't thought about exactly how fast it is, but it took a day and a half to go by foot on here. I'm thinking the ship is going to take probably three hours at the most to get there by flight. Okay. Um, Dimrock would like to gather everybody around real quick, and he pulls out his lute and starts playing a song of rest, a nice, peaceful guitar piece. And as he's strumming it, he feels like a commotion in his hood, of his hoodie. And he feels the drawstring attached and these white orbs come out. And slowly, like one by one, they start to add an instrument to his music piece. And he looks around. All right, it's pretty cool to have these guys. Maybe I finally found my band. And he plays a song of rest and everybody gets some health somehow. 1d6. To all the, the rescue G's and everybody. Even Hans. Hans doesn't need it. <laughs> Oh, Hans the Immortal? You think you deign to give Hans the Immortal help? All right, so what, give me, what was that perception that you rolled? Did I roll one? No, I never rolled one. I, I demanded it of you. 17. 17. As you're making your approach towards the city, you spot something in the air. Is it love? It looks like a cloak <laughs> flapping in the wind, but flying through the air. It definitely has the impression of coming towards you. And as you're watching it, it grows in size, and then it slings past the ship before disappearing behind the hull. And if you point it out, everyone else sees it too. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. Bros! And then, then that whole thing. Oh, what was that? Was that a person in there? I don't know, I only rolled a 17. Did it look like a person in a cloak or like a loose cloak? You didn't see a silhouette or even a shape. It just looked like a something wrapped in a, in a really big black cloak just fly past the ship and then disappear behind the hull. Did it look familiar? No, you didn't really see any detail. It just looked like something wrapped in a thick cloak or cloth, solid black, flying through the air. Uh, I want to move to the back of the ship and look over the railing and see if I can see it behind us. Alright, roll a perception check. Alright, plus one. 
I got a 17 plus one, 18. 18. You don't see anything, but your finely tuned ears catch something on the wind. Roll an arcana check for me. Hmm. Plus one to this as well. 17 total. 17. It's a spell being cast. And I think that's actually high enough to be able to glean what type of spell is being cast. That you can't see the source. Whatever, whoever is casting the spell is clearly nearby. Oh, what spell is it? You might not know exactly what spell, but it's a summoning spell for sure. What do I know about summoning spells? Like summoning creatures or something? Like to do your bidding, like to fight? Let's see. I'll give this to you. Yeah, since you, you rolled high enough. The words of the spell, they're being spoken in abyssal. The language of demons. Okay, okay. So, as I peer over the back of the ship, I I can't really see the figure, but I, I hear a ringing noise in my ears, and it, it immediately takes me back to a place that I haven't been or haven't thought about in the longest time. And I can hear my dad's voice ringing in my ears as, he, as he's casting these spells. And I recognize this as a demonic summon. After that happens, you feel a sharp pressure change in the air. A spot on the midsection of the deck. You see the air spread out, maybe scattered bits of dust push outwards, forming like a ring of air. A red light forms, and that red light starts to crackle and pulse. Everyone's seeing this before exploding brightly. And as the light fades, you see what can only be described as a, it's a huge monstrous gorilla with bright red fur, blue skin, and these enormous metal chains wrapped around each fist. Its jaws jut forward with enormous fangs, and its eyes look around with vicious rage. Hey guys, I'm, I'm not monkeying it around this time. We have a real problem. What is that, Demi? It's some type of summoned infernal creature. Somebody knows we're on our way, and they're trying to stop us. That's all I need to hear. I rage. The huge bestial creature pounds the ship wildly, shaking it, causing the floorboards to crack before launching itself forward at Copes. Ah, nuts! That's his catchphrase. That was great. Sorry. All right. Yeah, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. It's time to go ape shit, boys. <laughs> Is the ship too loud do you, or low? Do you think we should climb? Yeah, it wasn't that good. So let's get some initiative here. Oh. Ox got a 12. 13. 18. Looks like this thing won the initiative. As I said before, it was barreling towards Copes, holding up its enormous fist, ready to do a ground pound. I block it. All right, so he attacks with both fists real quick, and he gets a an 11 and a 16 to hit. Okay, the 16 hits. After he strikes with that one, pummels you toward the ground a little bit, he dives in with his face, opening his enormous jaws, attempting to bite down on your throat, and rolls an 18. Seeing this action, he strikes fear into Demi's whole body. He screams out, No! And... He casts Silvery Barbs, a reaction spell that makes the creature re-roll his d20. Nice. Thank you. And take the lower number. What a hero. And Tyler, you will have advantage on your next attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. Thank you. 
I'll re-roll that now. I got a 12. Yeah, that hits. <laughs> 12 hits? Oh, come on, Gopes. 12 hits? Damn. <laughs> Let's get him some armor <laughs> next shopping spree. Why are you wearing paper towels for armor, Gopes? <laughs> I'm wearing a vest to the picture. <laughs> oh, Damn, no. that was so effective of a casting, too. I rolled so much lower. I know. 11 didn't hit. From the first fist attack, you take... 10 damage, and from the bite attack that clenches down on your chest and neck, you take uh, 9 damage. Seems like that should have been more, but... Yeah, good night, boys. Oof. Does that actually make you unconscious? Oh yeah, that puts me at 0. Oh no, it takes me past 0. You don't have more than 19 hit points? Yeah, well I got thrashed into the ship. (laughs) Oh shit, that's right. Copes, as he goes down, he says. <laughs> okay. Oh, nuts. <laughs> oh, I get it now. As Demi's shouting out his spell and sees that the ape still bites through his little buddy Copes, he like falls to his knees and the spell he was casting to say no turns into like a cry of grief. Oh, he knows just Copes is, is done. All right, Copes, so you were at the controls here. So you're going to make a luck roll. So because of Demarok's spell here, you have advantage on this roll. Oh, is that just a straight d20? Yep. A six and a four. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. All right. So you fall forward onto the controls, pushing them forward sharply. Well, not quite so sharply. I'm not going to put you at 90 degrees straight to the ground, but... The ship begins making a sharp nose forward dive downward towards the ground. And then it is... I'll catch y'all on the next episode as another I believe it's Demarok's turn with an 18. Uh, we're diving down, and so I'm sliding towards the front of the ship. Would it be ridiculous to try to grab the controls of my whip and pull it? It would be ridiculous, but, I mean, that's not stopped you before. <laughs> I, did, I did wrap around a stalactite. There are two controls. Let me ask you this. Does this jostle the creature and everybody when we start tipping forward? There's no acceleration feeling from that. So gravity is causing you to fall down, but there's nothing that like throws you back or anything from the speed or, and you're not launched off of the ship because it tilts down suddenly. Okay, let me ask you this. How close is that creature to the edge then? He's close to the edge of the ship. So, I mean, he's probably 10 feet at the most away from the edge. So we'll, we'll put him at five. As I'm coming forward, like, and sliding down the ship and just see Cope's fall, I kind of pick up off my knees start getting into, like, a real run. And as I'm getting closer to this guy, I reach back. I unsitch the hood on my on my hoodie, and these three spirits that are with me pop right out. And I reach into my pocket with both hands, and in one hand comes out a loot, and the other a slightly pulsing bomb. And as I'm running... I start to cast Guiding Tone. As I start picking the strings on my guitar, my band kicks in, and you can see this energy of anger and desperation just like radiating out of us. As I get closer to that ape, I shove the the bomb into his chest and say, take this. And as we do, we play our final note on their song, and this spell expends a bardic inspiration die and moves a creature 10 feet in any direction I choose if he fails a wisdom saving throw. Okay, so he has to make a wisdom saving throw to resist this? 
Yep. The roll is a 16 total. Uh, it's against my spell save DC, um, which is 14. All right, so he does succeed. Does that mean he's not pushed at all? The target must succeed in a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC or take psychic damage equal to half the number rolled and be pushed 10 feet away. So he resists it then? Uh, yeah, he takes the psychic damage. But I don't know how much. I think it's always equal to your bardic inspiration die roll. Okay, so I'll take half of that. Uh, I rolled two, so that'd be a one. So one psychic damage, and you feel a fierce push. <sighs> I want to make you roll a luck roll, because you're holding the bomb in your hand, but... God, this would be so bad for Copes. <laughs> I've shoved it into the monster's chest. Hey, do do what you gotta do. Yeah, I assume because you were intending to send both of them out. Him and the bomb. Alright, so make a luck roll here. I think that's the right thing to do. 1d20. 1d20. You have your inspiration available to you, unless I don't think you've spent it. I rolled a 10. You rolled a 10? Yep, I'm going to use inspiration. And we roll... Nat 20. Nice. Oh my gosh. 20 (laughs) on my inspiration roll. If you have something in mind, you're welcome to do it, but you're going to detonate this thing and damage it without hurting either of you, but you're still not going to push him. So what I'm thinking is that you press it up against him. You send the force of the this magic into him, trying to push him out, but he digs his claw-like feet into the ship and holds fast. The bomb itself launches upward into the air just about 20 feet before exploding in a 30-foot radius, which narrowly avoids hitting both you and Copes, but does put this creature within its range. Take that, ape-hole! So he's not blinded by the effect of the spell, but he takes half of 48 damage. Ooh, so I get to roll that? Yes. And we're gonna roll... Oh, 15 total. As it explodes, he, he winces under the light. I'm going to grant the next person who attacks him advantage. Thanks. As he kind of winces underneath the light, it seems to be particularly harmful as it burns away at his skin. Yeah, but then it's Thrasher's turn. Was I able to get that rage off? Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so as soon as I rage, all of a sudden, all kind of standing around intermingled with us, everybody sees spectral form of... Corpsable can, uh, and they're playing some music and singing. And every time this thing, well, after I attack it, if it tries to hit anybody but me, the two guitarists do that thing where they stand with their backs up against each other in front of it, in between him and whoever he's trying to hit, makes it harder for him to hit people that are not me. Rock on. Assuming I hit him, you know, then then the, then it'll work. So I uh, that happens, and then I hit him with my axe. Is this reckless or regular? Uh, I'm going to do regular. I'm going to do reckless, actually, is what I meant to say. <laughs> oh, wait, you said I have advantage anyway. Oh, you do. Yeah, so go ahead. 18, so that'll be a 22 to hit. That's for sure a hit right there. And that will be... <laughs> five damage. <laughs> oh. Five damage, and the spirits of your beloved band circle around playing a threatening song towards this demonic creature. And when they see how weak the hit was, then, you know, the spectral corpse smasher looks at me side-eye like, come on, man. 
Now it's Nox's turn. This guy's looking pretty beefy still, right? I know he got hit by the bomb, but... Yeah. Do I do something stupid or do I do something wizardly? That's the question. How far away is he from the edge of the ship? Really bad idea to pay money to buy a picture of Cubs. I love it. How far away is he from the edge of the ship? Uh, five feet. Okay. Is there any way of taking him off the ship, I guess? I don't know in terms of that. So a shove is an action you can do. You make a athletics check contested by his athletics check. And if you win, you can knock it prone or push it five feet away from you. Okay. You know, I'm going to go for it either way because he's standing right over Copes. Copes is knocked down. Knox is going to run up and get in front of Copes and try to sustain him. Just step in front, try to get between Copes and this creature. So that is a medicine check. Okay, medicine. Oh, that's not one of my strong suits. Uh, it's only a seven. So a seven? No, so that does not stabilize him. Okay. But he's just going to take a defensive stance in front of Copes and try to keep this guy from getting to him on the ground. It is Copes' turn after that. Copes, you are lying bludgeoned and bleeding on the deck of the ship. Roll a death saving throw. For the listeners here, you get three death saving throws. If you fail three, then you die. And that's it. A failure is anything under a 10. So you roll a flat d20, no modifiers. 10 and higher is a success. Nine and lower is a failure. Oh, a 10. Oh, <laughs> oh my. Nice. So that, for oh. the listeners, that doesn't mean he's stable. He is just does not slip closer to death this turn. I believe you need to pass three total to stabilize. Yes. Yes. So you don't die any further this turn. And now it's the creature's turn yet again. Do what you must, Brent. So who's up there with him? Right now, Demarok's right next to him. Nox is right next to him. I think all three of you are right there, right? Yep. So this enormous gorilla demonic creature pounds its fists together and then shoves them both into the deck of the ship. You see that as it does so, its fists, instead of impacting it, lightly sink into it as its fingers dig in. And as it does so, vines, rotted vines, start crawling out of the deck of the ship and move to grab your arms, legs, and necks. So everyone has to make a dexterity or strength saving throw. Your choice. I'm assuming I go ahead and fail that. Yeah. That bad boy. Yeah, okay. Maybe you convulse in just the right way. You don't know. Fucking give it a good twitch. (laughs) Oh, I got a 10 on the deck save. Nat 20. Oh my gosh. Nat 20. Ooh, me and Thrash, we know how to throw down. I've got advantage, so can I see if I get a double nat 20? Yes, because it... I didn't, but I did get a 17, so that would be a modded 21. (laughs) So those of you that failed, these rotting vines wrap around you and restrict your movement. You're now restrained by these plants. If you're restrained, you have to make an action to free yourself, and you have disadvantage on any attack rolls that you make, and you're unable to move otherwise. All right, and that's uh, that's the end of this thing's turn, and it's Demarok's turn. So how did I dodge the vines? You're the guy. Tell me how you did it. Saw him coming a mile away. That's the oldest trick in the book, the monkey vines. So, yeah, when he slammed his fist, I knew they were coming, and I hopped up onto the side of the rail, rushed to Copes, and get down next to him and cast Cure Wounds. And I put both my hands on him and said, Buddy, this is not your time, man. And he gets to add 1d8 plus 4. 
Roll that for him. Five plus four, nine health. Right? You're at nine hit points, Copes. You wake up. <gasps> hey! Oh my god. You're wrapped up in vines. Oh my god. We're on a flying ship. Oh my god. Oh. And there's a monkey attack. Oh my goodness. Calm down. As you try to talk, vines wrap around your throat. You were just dead, and you might die again. <laughs> but you're... Oh, sorry. I gotta dodge a monkey. And then I move away. Yeah, I just move away 20 feet. So you will provoke an attack of opportunity in doing so. Does he get disadvantage on that attack of opportunity from my spectral boys? He absolutely would, yeah. Okay, I will do that. And as I do, I'll also cast a bonus action to cast Bardic Inspiration to Thrasher. Hey, man, you need to take care of this guy. I'm on it. So he gets a 12 to hit you with his disadvantaged roll, Demarok. That does not hit. Does not hit, and you quickly dash backward out of his reach. What? Thrasher's turn. I hit him with my axe. Hits him with his axe. 16. That's a hit. And that'll be you. That's better. 13 damage. Ooh, you score a fine hit on him, cutting into his flesh. The blood oozes out, starts burning into the hull of the ship. And then it is Nox's turn. Okay, so Nox is restrained in the vines. He doesn't see a whole lot of purpose in trying to break out because that's just not his strong suit. So he is going to cast Grease. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know I have disadvantage on attack rolls. If I tried to shove him... That's not an attack roll, is it? That's an action. It is. Well, it's considered a special attack action. Okay, so it still would be. I'm just going to swing my scimitar at him and try to uh, booming blade. That's a 13 to hit. 13 to hit hits. It's a 3 plus 4, so 7 slashing damage, uh, and he begins to glow with a orange energy. Nice. As the booming blade effect holds on him. Whatever this thing is, it is quite injured. And then it's Cope's turn. Captain Copes rises. Am I still tied down? Yeah. I guess I wouldn't know that it was Demi that rezzed me. Yeah, I was right over you. Uh, thank you, Demi. When I needed it most, you came through. And I'm going to pick my head up because I'm tied down and just shoot a guiding bolt at this guy and say, this is the only hope I can offer. And just launch a guiding bolt at this guy. So you got disadvantage. You can spend your inspiration, if you still have it, in order to negate that disadvantage. Can I do that after I roll, or do I have to do it before? You can see what you roll, but you can't know whether it succeeded or not. Okay. I'm going to muster all the inspiration I've gained from my friends and everything they've done for me. I pick my head up, and the spell kind of fizzles between my horns. And with all the strength I have left, I lean forward one more time and give it all I got. That is a... Ooh, that's a 20. That's a hit, for sure. Copes just kind of screams. You know, just raw energy. And he hits him for 12 damage. And grants advantage to the next player who attacks. This radiant blast that you send out of your horns just pierces straight through its shoulder. Burns straight through its body. You do an extra 6 damage on top of the 12 you already dealed. Yeah. Oh, radiant damage, huh? Nice leaving the thing stumbling a little bit, reeling from the pain that you've just caused it. Is movement a chance to break out of the vines? It's an action to break out, sadly. Okay, gotcha. And now it's this thing's turn. 
So the thing, in a fury, begins pounding the ground wildly around it, stomping its fists and feet, creating this strange reverberation in the air. You see that the air begins to twist and shape. Demarok, I need you to make a intelligence saving throw. Plus two to that. So 18 plus two, 20. Damn. Oh shit, my boy, smart. You see a figure form of the air. It is some great fear of yours. What is it? Can it be something like disappointment? Is that is it a physical thing? If you had failed, it would have appeared physical. You would have thought it was real. Yeah, just like failure in itself, I think. What does that look like to everybody else? They can see it too. Uh, uh, hey, Dad. Looks just like my father. Large, towering demon. Strong tail. Commanding voice. A relentless anger. And what do you say to him? Because you resist it. It's like a mind trick on me, I guess. Yeah. Not anymore. Not again. I'll never become what you want me to. As you say those words, the illusion fades. And now it's your turn, Demarok. I want you to make a perception check for me. You have advantage on this roll. Uh, 17 plus 2, 19. You hear that voice you heard earlier. Something is casting a spell nearby. And as the words finish, you see the figure appear again. He's standing on top of the mast of the ship, the cope's nest. You see him reappear suddenly for taking off in flight back towards the city of Vallast. Did he appear next to Hans? (laughs) No, no, he's not next to Hans. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I saw him flash up there and then fly back. You heard it and then it just suddenly appeared, this thing. And then it flew, I think it would be 80 feet away from the ship. Did I get a good look at it? Well, I mean, you saw what you saw before, a figure completely cloaked. The 19, I just saw it fly away. Well, you only had an audio cue to notice it in the first place. So that's why you needed a good roll to notice it. Okay. But I'll go ahead and tell you, it clearly, to explain a little bit of the rules of spell casting, if you're concentrating on a spell, a spell that conjures a demon gorilla, you can't cast another spell that requires concentration, like the spell fly. Right. Okay, and the demon disappears when this happens? The ape does? The demon actually doesn't disappear. But you see flakes of his body starting to fly off. It seems like in some amount of time it will disappear, but not yet. But whoever this was, they've flown off ahead back towards the city, leaving you to deal with whatever this creation is for however many moments. All right, I start running around and I... I cut copes out of the vines and any belts that's in the vines, I start pulling them off of them. Captain Copes, you need to get back to the helm. We might need to move this thing away from the city and figure out what's going on. So the gorilla's gone, you said? Or it's still there? It is not. It is still there. Okay. Are we still in initiative? Everyone is broken free for the moment from the vines. It is now Thrasher's turn. How messed up is this gorilla? It's bleeding, it's acidic-looking blood onto the ship. It doesn't look good. It's got a hole torn through its chest by a radiant bolt of energy. Let's finish this. 18, so... 22. 14 damage. 14 damage. You can describe it if you want. Mm, nothing cool. He's, he's not trying to be cool. He's, he's panicked. This thing is freaking out and messing up his buddies. He just runs up and hits it again with his axe. So glad that it's the last hit. I'll give you a description then. So you run up and give it a nice swift uppercut swing that just cleaves through its vicious looking jaw 
and sends it careening over the bow of the ship, tumbling towards the ground. Oh, that was so metal, bro. The ground, which is increasingly heading towards you. <laughs> Look at this, bros. Thank you so much, Jimmy. And I fucking grab the ball or the wheel and I tilt back and right, like on a diagonal. Oh, okay. We're heading right at the city, correct? Yeah, you're heading towards it. How far away are we? You're probably a little bit further than you would have attempted. Okay, then I'll pull it back to level it out. I'll pull it back just a little so the nose is kind of tilted up just a little bit. All right, everyone finds himself leaning back a little bit as you fiercely try to right the right the ship, make it level. You pull it free before you hit the ground. You're about 60 feet above the ground where you stop it. You really didn't have much time there. Ooh. Guys, that was bad magic. That is intense bad magic. I think whoever took Wagon Wheel, you know, maybe, maybe they're after us now. I'm going to run up. Copes is going to run up to Demi and just give him like a huge hug. Man, I really, I don't know, bro. I really, I don't know. And and I'm going to walk back towards the, towards the wheel. One of the doors to the, the bottom of the ship opens. Braddock pokes her head out. She's like, what the hell are you guys doing? I almost spilled my tea. <laughs> oh, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> just fighting demons off the ship. Don't worry about it, Braddock. You, you go enjoy your tea. Did we all see that figure, or is it was it just uh, Demi Rock? You all got to see whatever whatever it was that was conjured there. Yeah, but I think he's talking about the one that flew away. So, I mean, just like before, if you if you pointed it out, you would all probably notice it flying off into the distance. You know, after you initially noticed it. Hey guys, I don't I don't know what that was, Demi. I don't know if you have any idea, but I mean, the only thing it reminded me of cloak covering a whole thing. Did that kind of remind you of your, that guy we met coming into the city? The forager. the forager. The Forager, yeah, yeah. We couldn't see anything about him. It was just a cloak overhanging everything. No, but remember he was... Remember how nice he was? He gave us some money. Yeah, he was looking for somebody. And he was on that pony? He's looking for Rick. Rick? Oh. Could that have been Wagon Wheel? Could, oh. That could have been... I, I don't know. I don't know if that was him. Something's going on in this town. Yeah, we're definitely not clean and clear. I thought we were about to ride in heroes. Maybe, shoot, maybe we are villains. No, I think uh, I think there's definitely more villainous things out there than us. But whatever that was, it's definitely not a good thing, and it's heading right back towards the town. Well, it knew we were on our way, so that means we've been being watched this whole time. That wasn't an accident. No, it definitely wasn't an accident. Do you know anything about that magic, Demi? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I do know a little bit about it. It's powerful and controlling and consuming, and only the worst people use it. It's dangerous, and I don't think we want to be on this end of of whoever's after us. Well, whatever end we're on, we're we're in it together, so we can hold our own. I think we need to get into this town and figure out what's going on. I don't know if we can go back to town, man. I think we might need to dump these refugees, and and I, I don't know if that's how they attacked us on the ship. I I imagine they're waiting with more forces in town. Yeah, but wagon wheel got taken. Something happened there. I think we have to go into town. I think we owe a service to these people. I agree. I think that's uh about the best thing we could do right now. Maybe we tell the refugees to tell our story, to spread it around, to let them know. But I'm letting you guys know, if we go to that town again, there's a 
very good chance that that's the last town we ever go to. If that thing is there, then it's what? what is the town going to do? Maybe we draw it out. Maybe it's after us. I don't think it's there to kill the town. But you know what? If we have to, we do. We can drop these people off. I think we need to check on Wagon Wheel. Something happened with him. I, I was with Thrash when we were on the call. Somebody grabbed him. I mean, maybe we could run in and at least check out what happened there and and I, and try to get out of here. Yeah, but not on a giant ship. Maybe we come in at night or or something. But if we fly in, we better be prepared to fight. I'm going to take her down. Copes pushes the wheel forward down to park it outside of town. How far away are we from the town? I don't know, like 500 feet? Doesn't really matter too much. Wherever we want at this point, right? You're very close to the town. At level two, I can cast Skyrite, and I can cause up to 10 words to form in a part of the sky you can see. And I just wanted to cast in the sky, Ilgus, danger in town on our way. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> 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 okay. Wow, okay. Hey all, it's me, your best friend Hans. Uh, just want to make an appearance here. Uh, you may not see much more of me in the future. I have my own adventures to take care of. But if you enjoyed my appearance here, please follow the Discount Heroes on uh, uh, Twitter at the DHCast. We would love it if you come and give us a listen, have any comments or uh, commentary of some kind. We release every Thursday. That's uh, Thursday, the, the fifth day of the week. We hope you'll come back and listen to us on that day to listen to Discount Heroes where questionable results are always guaranteed.